You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Kensington Church. Whether you're watching us online or you're here in person, we are so glad that you've decided to spend some time with us this morning. So we're going to start off by singing a song. It's called Good Grace, and it talks a little bit about the beautiful things that happen when we come together as a people. And that's actually what we're talking about today as we go into week three of Welcome to the Neighborhood. So we want to invite you just to stand, if you're willing and able, stand and sing with us. Here we go.
Good morning and welcome to Kensington. We are so glad that you have joined us today. My name is Shauna and I'm one of the teaching pastors on staff. It's kind of a bittersweet day. I mean, tomorrow a lot of you have work off, but it also means it's the end of summer. But that also means things are revving up around Kensington. First is our student ministries kickoff. Every fall, we relaunch Breakaway for our middle school students in grades six through eight and Edge for our high school students. Now, many of us, we've experienced an exceptionally difficult year and so have our students. Many of us have traveled or been in transition this summer. So this fall's kickoff is especially important time for our students to come together again, to reconnect and to get back into the rhythm that includes intentional time for the growth of their faith and friendships. And if you're new to our community, please join us. All of our campuses will be holding fun kickoff events and parties the week of September 12th. You can find out more information by going to kensingtonchurch.org slash breakaway for middle school students or kensingtonchurch.org slash edge for high school. Now, I don't know about you, but I do love having something on the calendar to look forward to. And so do my boys. So pencil this in. Students in grades 6 through 12 are also invited to our annual wild retreat happening in October. It's happening at one of our favorite places, Spring Hill Camps. This retreat is filled with wild activities, parties, and friendships. But most importantly, when they encounter Jesus, their lives become wild like nothing they could imagine. Now you can find out more information about this awesome weekend and even an early bird discount available at kensingtonchurch.org wild. Before we tune into our last week of Welcome to the Neighborhood and the practical ways we can be intentional with our real life neighbors, let me just give you a heads up about our next series and invite you back next weekend. The title is, I feel blank. Just fill in the blank. Do you feel joyful, worried, angry? Sad? Invisible? This past year and a half has given us quite the range and depth of our emotions. And God has given each of us the capacity to feel deeply. Our emotions are a gift. None of us would want to go through life without happiness or even sadness. At times, our emotions can leave us feeling lost and unsure as how to navigate them. And if we allow our emotional state to control our lives, they can be cruel dictators. But on the other hand, if we ignore our emotions, we end up living a hollowed out, almost robotic life. Now, David, he was a man who experienced many different emotions. And in this series, we'll look at some of his life experiences and the honest and vulnerable words he wrote to God about his feelings in the book of Psalms. And I'm sure you know some people who could really benefit from this series. So reach out to your friends, family, coworkers, and of course, your neighbors, and invite them to join you again. We are so glad you've decided to join us today. Hey, happy Labor Day weekend, everybody. You guys ready to go? Awesome. Fantastic. Hey, so for those of you in the room, welcome. For those of you who are watching via stream, wherever you are, grateful that you are with us as well. And if we have not met, my name is Andrew, and I am one of the pastors here. And as Shauna mentioned, over the next several weeks, there are going to be so many things kicking off. And so we want to invite you back next week as we're starting a brand new series called I Feel. And also out in the lobby, we're going to be having a welcome home celebration because so many people in our community over this past summer have been away traveling, seeing family and friends, 
friends at the lake and just doing all the things that we do here in Michigan over the summer months. And so as people start to come back together, we wanted to have a time where we're able to connect. And so out there, we're gonna have refreshments, we're gonna have some treats, and we're gonna also have some activities where we can just sort of reconnect with people as we start the fall season. And so we wanna invite you to come back for that. Invite somebody else to come with you as well. Also, something that I want to give you an update on that we did last week was our annual vote. Because last week, we spent a few moments of voting on the upcoming budget as well as our elders for the coming year. And these were the, were the results of the vote. And as you can see, we as a community, we overwhelmingly approved both of those items, the budget as well as the elders. And so I want to say thank you for taking a few minutes last week for those of you who were able to participate to be a part of that. And I, as well as I know so many of you are really, really looking forward to what God is going to do in and through this community in the coming year. This coming Wednesday, something else that I want to let you know about is our midweek service. And if you do not know what midweek is, it is our monthly uh, service that happens on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock right here in this room. And it happens on the second Wednesday of every month. And this coming Wednesday, we're going to be starting a brand new series called Refresh. And Jalen Seawright, who used to be our worship arts director, he is going to be here with us leading us in the music. But he, Danny, and I are also going to be teaching together. And so it's going to be a great, great night. And we're going to have a ton of Fun. And so if you are able to be here or if you're able to join us via stream, whichever it is, we would love for you to be a part of that night because it's always a great time we're able, where we're able to come together as a community and to worship God as well. And something else that we want to pray about and something that we do want to pray about today is something that has happened uh, in our nation this past week. And it seems like this month has been an incredibly um, adventurous. There's just so many things that have happened uh, in this past month, just not, over, just not only in our nation, but really across the world as well. And if you've been watching the news, you have seen what Hurricane Ida did, not only to the south, but also to the northeast this past week. And prior to my family moving to Michigan, we used to live in the Philadelphia area as well as the New York area. And so we still have a ton of friends who are out there. And so they, we checked in on them and so many of the stories that they told us were absolutely heartbreaking. People who have lost so much. And so we wanna pray for them, but at the same time, some really, really encouraging things and beautiful things have happened as well. And this past week, I learned of a number of churches who their buildings were damaged because of a lot of flooding. And so they basically said to their people, hey, we're not gonna be able to meet. We're not gonna be able to gather like we normally do this coming Sunday. But just because we can't meet as the church doesn't mean that we still can't be the church. And so they decided to gather and rather than stay in a building and sing songs and listen to a message like they've done for so many weeks, they said, hey, we're gonna move out into our community and we're gonna love and serve our neighbors by helping with the cleanup and the rebuilding efforts. And so for so many uh, church communities in that area, that's exactly what they are doing right now and really today. And so we wanted to pray for them, but at the same time, we also wanna pray for the people in the South as well as the Northeast and so many others who have really been devastated by this hurricane. So would you join me in prayer? So Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that when your people are hurting, that you tell us that you are near, God. And you are the God of compassion, of peace, of comfort, Lord, of love and strength. And I pray, Lord, for the people who have been impacted by this hurricane, God, that they would feel all of these things, Lord, from you. And that they would feel your presence today in such a tangible way, Lord. 
and where people are heartbroken because they have lost family and friends and so many other things, God, that your comfort today would truly overwhelm them, Lord, and that you would also provide other people to come alongside of them and be a tangible representation of who you are. But also, thank you, Lord, for the stories of people, Lord, who are doing exactly what we're talking about in this series and choosing to love and serve their neighbors, God. And we pray, Lord, for more of these people, Lord, to come alongside of others and to help because we recognize that there's so much help that's needed. And even for us who live hundreds of miles away, that as you nudge us, God, and you ask us to move, that we would be people who say yes to you and to stepping into these opportunities that you have for us. And so thank you, Lord, that you are with your people. And thank you, Lord, that we can pray today, and not just today, but that you would also remind us to pray for people, Lord, and people who are impacted this week and in the coming weeks as well. And so we thank you, God, and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. And so as we have been mentioning, today we are in the third week of our series, Welcome to the Neighborhood. And so our band is going to lead us in a musical thought that really speaks to where we are headed today. And so I want to invite you to sit where you are and let's take in this thought together. has to bow confusion has its final hour when you speak mountains rise and fall it tears down every wall around me when you speak breathe upon the dust you come alive and Let there be a 
That's such a beautiful song. And that one line, let there be light. And it reminds me of that is, those are the words that God spoke in the very beginning of creation. And light is powerful in that it has the ability to transform. It has the ability to bring life. And one of the images that's used to describe Jesus in the scriptures is that of light. And John in his gospel in the New Testament tells us the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And the heart of this song that we just heard is that this light would pervade, it would fill every space because where there is light, there is life. And today we're in the third week of our series, Welcome to the Neighborhood. And two weeks ago, when we kicked things off, we talked about how we can actually turn strangers into neighbors. And we were given something called the nine square challenge. And this challenge was, was do we actually know the names of the people who live around us in our neighborhood? And if we don't, what if we actually went and met them and chose to engage with them and chose to love and serve them? And then last week, we looked at how we can turn the fences that separate us into tables that would bring us together and connect us. And so today, as we're gonna be wrapping up this series, today is all about light. And if you are a Jesus follower, what it means is, is that you have the light of Christ inside of you. And in the scriptures, Jesus followers are given the challenge to not just hold on to this light, but rather to shine it out into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our schools, into this world, so that people's lives could be transformed. And so today, we're going to be talking about how we can join together with others and link arms with others to do this in a greater way. And if you've ever heard of the name Bob Goff, Bob Goff, he is a uh, author, he's a speaker, he's a self-described recovering lawyer, and he also happens to be the honorary consul to Uganda. And this guy is probably one of the most adventurous and joy-filled people I have ever come across in my life. In his first book, Love Does, at the very end of the book, he included his personal cell phone number in it. And at first, when people read this, they were thinking, you know what, it's probably fake, it's probably a joke. And then somebody called it and he picked up. And so if you ever want to call this guy, if you ever read one of his books or come across him and you want to ask him a question, just go to that book, find that number, and you can call him. And chances are very, very good that he will pick up. But he lives in, uh, with his family out in the San Diego, San Diego area. And for the past 26 years, what they have done every New Year's, they have put on a neighborhood parade and it's become a family tradition. So every January 1st, everyone in their house wakes up early and they will blow up more than a thousand helium balloons. But before they take them outside, the family all gathers together and they spend a few moments praying saying, God, thank you for our neighbors and thank you for the privilege that we have to be able to do life with them. And as I mentioned, they've been doing this now for 26 years, but year one of this parade wasn't exactly a smashing success because they invited their entire neighborhood, but only eight people showed up. And so they, somebody said go, 
And then them and these eight other people, they started walking down their neighborhood street, waving to the six other people who were kind enough to actually come out. But as they've done this year after year after year, it's grown and grown and grown. And now there are about four to 500 people who come out for this every year. And this is what it looks like. There's people driving cars, people in dinosaur costumes, right? You have kids pulling wagons on their bikes and it's crazy how many people come out for this. And the reason why they started doing this was because they wanted to try to love these people who they were surrounded by called their neighbors. And they realized that they couldn't love them if they didn't actually know them. And so the simple act of throwing a yearly New Year's Day parade, because trust me, it's simple, because everything that he talks about it, like in his books, it's not well organized, it's not well planned. And so these hundreds of people just come up, somebody says go, and they start walking. And it's as simple as that. But just this act of putting on this yearly parade created a movement that has brought this neighborhood together. And as we've been talking about in this series, being a good neighbor begins with a moment just simply choosing to see and to serve the people around us. But what if we decided to move beyond this? What if we decided to move beyond individual moments so that we could create a movement or to be a part of a movement, one that would impact not just a neighbor, but possibly our neighborhood and maybe even our city? And so today, we're going to be looking at the words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, which is found in the New Testament. And these words that we're going to be looking at were part of Jesus' most well-known sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And at the very beginning of this sermon, Jesus gave us what are known as the Beatitudes. And you can think of Beatitudes as principles as to what it means to follow Jesus, principles as to what it means to live the good life, because he truly tells us, hey, if you want to live the best life, a truly a good life, this is how I want you to live, which is very, very different than how our world tells us to live. And then afterwards, Jesus gives us two word pictures to explain to us that if you choose to live in this way, that you will create a movement that will ultimately change the world. And so this is what he tells us in the Gospel of Matthew. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so those two verses, those first two verses that we read, verses 13 and 14, they're parallel verses. And what that means is, is that Jesus uses these two images of salt and light to communicate the same message. It's sort of like Jesus is saying, hey, everybody, right, listen up, like one, two, three, eyes on me. And he's telling us, what I'm about to tell you is so important. I'm going to explain it to you in two different ways. Because in these two verses, Jesus communicates some powerful truths, including about who we are. Because he says to us, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. He doesn't tell us, hey, you know what? I want you to try to be these things. But he tells us, if you are my follower, this is your identity. It does not matter whether you've made the decision to follow me 10 seconds ago or 10 years ago. If you have made that life-transforming decision, this is who you are. And nothing can change that. 
And so the question then is, what does it actually mean to be salt and to be light? And scholars have actually identified 11 different ways salt was used in the ancient world. It was used as an antiseptic, as a preservative, as a fertilizer. It was used as a flavor enhancer, just to name a few of the functions. And because salt could be used in all of these different ways, it was actually considered to be very valuable, which is why the Romans would sometimes even pay their soldiers in salt. But when Jesus mentions salt here, I believe that he was referring to it as a preservative. And Matthias Pitts, Matthias Pitts, if you've ever seen him, maybe some of you have, Matthias Pitts is our worship arts director over at our Orient campus. But he's also a farmer, and he and his family, they own a local farm called Hares and Harrow's Farmstead. And this guy, if you ever have a chance to have a conversation with him about farming, I'd highly encourage you to do so because he has such an incredible vision and passion for it. And this week, he was explaining to me about... Uh, explaining to me about his uh, salt curing process, which I didn't even know what curing was because I know nothing about meat. I know nothing about farming. I think I've been on a farm like once in my life and I showed up wearing flip-flops, right? So that's basically my experience with farming. But he knows so much about it. And if you are like me and you know nothing about curing, right? And you think it's actually feeling better from sickness, right? What actually curing is when it comes to meat is it's adding salt to meat. And you can do that in a lot of different ways. And what the salt does is that it draws out, it removes all the readily available water from the meat because the water is where bacteria lives and grows and that's what spoils the meat. And so the function of salt in this case is that it serves to protect and preserve meat. And it's incredible because, and, and so much so that when you actually cure a piece of meat, you can store it afterwards at room temperature, not for months, not for years, not even for decades, but forever, and it will never, ever spoil. And when he actually said this to me, I was like, mind blown, because I was like, you always have to refrigerate meat. That's what I thought. And so when you actually look, and Matthias knows this, and he actually lives this out, because this is a picture of his kitchen, right? Anybody else's kitchen look like this? Do you just have pieces of cured meat hanging around? But this is his kitchen, right? And those are cured pieces of meat. So whenever he wants to use some, whenever he wants to cook with anything or eat it, he'll just, you get a knife, just slice it off, and he'll just use it. And that's what he does. And this is the thing, right? The fact is, is that probably most of us are not familiar with the curing process because we live in a little bit of a different world than Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Because we have refrigerators, we have coolers, we have all of this. But back then, they didn't have any of this. And so in order to preserve their food, in order to preserve their meat, that they would have to use salt. And so they were very familiar with this whole preserving process. And so basically what Jesus is saying, when he's telling us to be the salt of the earth. And when he was telling them to be the salt of the earth, he was telling all of us, hey, I want you to function in this manner. Just as salt is able to transform meat, I want you to transform, he's telling us, I want you to transform your neighborhoods by protecting them against the toxins that would seek to destroy them, like things like hatred and division and injustice. And I also, just like salt is also able to preserve meat, he's also telling us, as his followers in our neighborhoods, I want you to preserve the God flavors and the God qualities that are present there. Like because you live in your neighborhoods, things like love, joy, peace, hope, generosity, compassion, these things should be more tangibly present because you are working, you are fighting for these things and you are working to preserve them where you are. 
And then Jesus, in the next verse, he used the image of light to communicate the same message. And he said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And back in Jesus' day, people would oftentimes build cities on top of hills because first of all, they were easier to defend. They would be cooler because they, they were at a higher elevation. So the temperature was a little bit lower and also they were easier to see. And at night, people would use torches and lanterns to light up these cities. So if you were somebody who was traveling to the city at night, you would see the, the light of the city radiating out. And ultimately it would point you in the direction that you needed to go. And Jesus is telling us as my followers, I want you to shine out your light into the world so that it would ultimately point people, not to us, not to, not to a city, but to him. And so Jesus is telling us, just like salt is able to transform meat and light is able to transform darkness, I want you to transform your neighborhoods by protecting and preserving the God flavors that are present in them. And when you shine out your light, that it would point people to me, the only one who is able to bring about lasting transformation in someone. That is what he is asking us to do. But when he makes these two statements, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, the you that he uses, what's important for us to notice is that it's not singular, but rather it's plural. And so what that means is he's not saying, hey, you know what, you as an individual are the salt of the earth, or you as an individual are the light of the world. He's not telling us that, but rather he is saying, you all are the salt of the earth. You all are the light of the world. And one of the reasons why he uses the second person plural pronoun is because he was talking to a large group of people who were from a collectivistic culture. And so they were much more familiar with we rather than me, which is the total opposite of us who live in the West today. But at the same time, what I also believe that plural pronoun communicates is the way that Jesus desires for us to live and to operate in this world not as isolated individuals, but together in community. Because something you and I know and something you and I have also experienced is that when we choose to come together with other people, the impact that we can have is so much greater. And next month, I'm hoping, and hoping is the operative word, I'm hoping to run the half marathon in Detroit with the Hope Water Project, right? Anybody else planning to run? I don't see a single hand, so it's just going to be me. Good stuff. Thanks, guys. And so um, I, I'm, I'm sure hopefully there's others. Um, but <clears throat> let me, that threw me off. I thought somebody would run. Um, but if you're not familiar with the Hope Water Project, what that is, is it's a ministry of Kensington that's committed to providing clean water for the Pokot people in Kenya. And let me tell you, I am not a big fan of running. But the reason why I've run for the past couple of years is that I'm a huge fan of why we run because clean water will transform people's lives. And when I ran three years ago, there was also a man named Bill who was running for clean water that day. And Bill is a very accomplished, he's an incredible runner, much better than I ever could be. And that day he was running the full marathon. And if you've ever run a long distance, you understand that at some point you will hit a wall and you have to be able to power through it. And for Bill that day, he hit that wall at mile 23. So just with a little more than three miles to go in the race. And he didn't just hit it, he hit it hard. And unfortunately for him, there were no other runners around him on the course at the time to encourage him, to inspire him, to keep going. But there was somebody 
who was watching that day and his name is Scott and he's also a part of our community and he's an incredible runner himself. He's run in the Boston Marathon in the past, but he wasn't able to run that day because he was injured, but he happened to be at that very point in the course. And he saw Bill hit that wall and he knew exactly what he was experiencing and exactly what he needed. And so Scott, even though he was injured, he jumped onto the course and he started running with Bill. And when Bill saw Scott beside him, he thought, maybe this guy will run with me for the next 20 or 30 seconds. But Scott kept on going. And then two other guys, Jason and Zach, who had just finished the half marathon, they jumped onto the course and they all started running together. And this is a picture of these four guys. And this is probably one of my favorite images from that day because it communicates so much. And Bill is the one in the middle with the blue shirt, sunglasses on top of his hat. And that's them running together. And this next picture is that of them finishing together because they all ran the last three miles together. And so the thing is, is that on this day when Bill was about to fall down, these guys picked him back up and they gave him the strength and the courage, not just to finish well, not just to finish, but to finish well. And that previous picture that we just saw of these guys running together, as I mentioned, is one of my favorite images because it communicates such a powerful message, exactly what we're talking about today is that individually, of course, we can have an impact, but when we actually come together, we are able to do far more than we could ever do alone. And that is the truth that, is also, uh, that also applies to our neighborhoods as well. Because individually, in the places where we are living, we can have an impact on the people around us. We can have an impact on our roommate, on our neighbors, on the people that are surrounding us. But when we actually choose to work together and link arms together with others, our impact is exponentially greater. And for so many of us, we've actually experienced this even in this past month. Because as I mentioned, this past month, there's been so much that has hap been happening in our world, from the earthquake in Haiti to the situation in Afghanistan. And over the last couple of weeks, we have come to you and said, would you consider praying for these situations? But in addition to prayer, would you also consider giving to these situations as well, providing relief for the victims in Haiti and for the refugees who, or for the people in Afghanistan who desire to evacuate and get out of the country. And so many of you have said yes. And it's been a picture to me of when we come together as a community that we are able to do far more together than we could ever do alone. And I've been so proud to be a part of this community. But at the same time, there are other initiatives as well that we are doing both locally as well as globally as well. And so what we wanted to do right now is we wanted to have our offering moment. And so if you would like to give to what God is doing in and through this community, there are a number of ways that we can give. And you see it up on the side screens. And the first is by texting the word Kensington to 77977. Two other ways that we can give is through the app or through the website, which is, which is how my family and I give. Or we can also send a check into our physical location right here at the Troy campus and you see the address right there. Or for those of us in person, we also have offering buckets at every entrance and every exit and we can place our offering in there as well. But we wanna say thank you. Thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you so much for your open-handedness, not just over this past month, but truly over these past years and decades. And so going back to this passage, in verse 14, Jesus says, we read this earlier, we read this a couple times, he says, you are the light of the world, a city set, that word's an important word, and we're going to be talking about that, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And that word set in the original Greek can also be translated as placed. 
And it communicates that God has strategically, or actually, let me say this about that. It communicates the idea that God has strategically and intentionally placed this city on this hill. And that it's not there by accident. It's not like God was like, oops, right? Sorry, I put it there, right? It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a coincidence, but it has been put there on purpose. And what Jesus is telling us by using this image is just like that city was purposely put on that hill, that God has strategically and intentionally placed every single one of us where we are. And maybe some of you might be thinking, you know what, that might be the case for everybody else, but it's not for me. Because you know the college that I'm going to? It wasn't my first choice, it wasn't my second choice, but it was the backup to my backup to my backup. And so there's no way that I'm supposed to be here and no way that I'm actually gonna be, I'm supposed to be living with this annoying person for the rest of the year. Or maybe for some of us, we have a Steve Urkel or we have a Newman or whoever or Kimmy Gibbler living next door. And we think there is no way that God has purposefully put me next to this person in this same neighborhood. There's no way he'd subject me to this type of misery. And trust me, over these past weeks that we have been in this series, so many of you have told me about your awful neighbors and how difficult it is to live next to the people that we are beside. And it may seem like a mistake. It may seem like, oh my goodness, God, what are you doing? It may seem like a coincidence even. But what Jesus is telling us is it's not that I have put you amongst these people in this neighborhood to shine my light. Not just once, but over and over and over again. And so what it means is this, is that we're not just at school to try to get good grades, have some fun, maybe tolerate our roommate for the rest of the year so when we graduate that we can get a good job. Or we're not in our neighborhoods just so that we can have a roof over our head and a place to raise our family. But God has put us where we are amongst these people, as annoying as they may seem at times, to be a city on a hill to shine his light. We are there on purpose. And that's also something that we believe as a church as well. In that for us as a church community, as Kensington, we are here in this area for a very, very specific reason. In that we want to also impact the people around us. And so what we created is something called the Move Out Network. And the purpose of this network is to bring people with shared interests and shared passions together to launch them out, to move them out, so that we can love and serve our neighbors. And if you notice, I said that word together, to bring people together. Because what we believe is that we are so much better together. We can do more together than we could ever imagine doing alone. And so if you actually go out, to go to the Move Out Network page, which you can see on our website or on our app, the opportunities are there. And they include, and they include how to impact all these different ways that we can impact our local community, from serving the homeless to mentoring students to teaching English, also to repairing cars for single moms and the elderly. The list goes on and on and on. And all of these are ways that we can put into practice what we've been talking about in this series. But something else today, another team that I wanna let you know about is our Troy Campus Action Team. And it's part of the new Move Out Network, one of the opportunities that are on the Move Out Network. And I wanna mention one opportunity that we have as a campus to be able to do what we're talking about. And that it's actually gonna be starting this coming Friday and gonna be happening for a number of days over the next week to a week and a half. 
and it's an opportunity to come alongside of immigrant families in this area and to help them navigate the local school system. And this one's very personal to me because, I, because my mom, she immigrated to Canada from Korea when she was an adult. And I remember when I was growing up, I would bring home forms from school and I would sit down with my mom and spend some time with her, reading them with her and helping her to understand because English was her second language. But at the same time, I also remember when I was growing up, uh, having to explain to my mom how certain things worked at my school, how field trips worked, how sports teams worked, how hamburger and hot dog days worked. Because she was like, what in the world is that? Why would you ever do that? Right? Because they were so different from the school and the school system that she grew up experiencing in Korea. And so for our immigrant families in this area of Troy, because of language, because of a lack of familiarity, they can experience so much fear and anxiety and insecurity when it comes to navigating the school system, something that so many of us take for granted. And so when, some pe when people come alongside of them and say, hey, you know what, we wanna help you. We don't wanna help you understand how to register for this. We wanna help you to understand, hey, you can actually have conversations with these people. This is how these things work. It's such a huge burden off of their shoulders. And it's just this whew, exhale and just understanding I am not alone. And this is a real need in our community. And I truly believe that God has strategically and intentionally placed us as a campus here. And this is an opportunity for us to see and to serve our neighbors. And so if this is something that you're interested in jumping into, we have more information on the Move Out Network page and just look for the Troy Campus Action Team and all the information will be there. We also have a Facebook group. We're gonna post the information there as well. And so if you don't follow us, if you don't like that group, I'd encourage you to do so. Or for those of us here in the room, you can also go out to the hub after the service and you'll see people with bright orange shirts on out there and specifically talk to Suzanne Martinez, who is our guest services and local outreach coordinator. And she is the one who organized all of this. She's fantastic and she will be able to provide you with that information. And so going back to the passage, and we wanted to end with the final words of Jesus of what he says in this group of verses. And I feel like this is a perfect ending, not just to this message, but also to the series, because he writes, he says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to who, right? Who's he saying? Right? Because Jesus says, hey, who's supposed to get the credit? Right? When we actually do these things and we love and serve our neighbors, not just once, but over and over and over again, and we have an impact on our neighborhoods, right? is it for the reason that people will think, oh, you know what, Andrew, isn't he such a great guy? Right? Isn't he just an amazing neighbor? Somebody give that guy a medal. Is that the purpose of why we're supposed to do what we do? And Jesus says, mm-mm, that's not the reason why. Because he says, the purpose of this all is that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So that ultimately the whole purpose of all of this is so that God would be glorified. And what in the world does it mean to glorify God? Because that is a huge term. And very simply, it means to give people a proper opinion of who God is, a proper perception of who he is. And especially in our culture today, I believe that is so important because so many people have a misunderstanding and a misconception of who God is. And what Jesus is telling us is that when we love and serve the people around us, they would see how we are living and they would connect the dots to God. That through the way that you and I love our neighbors, our roommates, 
the people around us, that they would see God reflected through our lives. This God who so deeply loves them more than they could ever understand, more than we could ever understand or imagine. And what he desires is to have a relationship with every single person so that ultimately what we all can experience is transformation. And not just to transform our lives, but our legacies, our eternities forever. And that is why he says, this is why I want you to turn strangers into neighbors. This is why I want you to turn fences into tables and why I want you to turn moments into movements so that people can experience this. And so as we've been talking about community and the impact that community can have, this is the question that I want to leave all of us with. Who is somebody around us that we can lock arms with to impact our neighbors where we are? And maybe for some of us, we already have something going in our neighborhood and that we're already involved but we're doing it ourselves. What would it look like for us to invite somebody else to be a part of it, to link arms with others in that way? Or maybe we're not doing anything. And so maybe for us is to join something that's already happening. Maybe it's to jump onto the board of our HOA, or maybe it's to join uh, uh, the PTA at our local kids' school, at our kids' school, or maybe it's to jump onto one of the teams as a part of the Move Out Network. But what if we actually decided to do this, not just to try to do things alone, but we actually tried to partner with other people because when we enter into relationship with others, trust me, we've all experienced this. It is messy because people are messy. You are messy and I am messy. But at the same time, the reality is, is that when we choose to do this, the beauty that is able to result is so much greater. What if we actually move towards that vision and that purpose and towards accomplishing that? And so in a moment, I'm gonna pray. And then Steve is going to lead us in a song that speaks exactly to that, that it's so much easier for us to live like this, to live beyond the wall, behind the walls of our house and to keep people at arm's distance. But that is not the way that God has called us or created us to live. What if we actually linked arms with the people around us? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for our neighbors. And as Bob Goff and his Family, pray every single year, Lord. Thank you for our neighbors and thank you for the privilege that we have to be able to do life with them. But if we're honest, God, some of our neighbors are hard. They're hard to love, God. And they're annoying and they're difficult, Lord. And it takes every ounce sometimes of strength for us to do that. But thank you, Lord, that you are God of infinite resources and you are able to give us that strength and give us that heart and everything that we need, Lord. And so, God, I pray that you would provide us with opportunities to love and to serve the people around us, not just by ourselves, but you would also provide other people so that we can come alongside them or they could come alongside of us to do what you have called us to do as your people so that we could impact not just our neighbors, but our neighborhood and possibly even our city and our world. Thank you for your care for us, Lord. Thank you that you care so deeply for your people. And through this process, I know, God, it's not just our neighbors and our neighborhoods that are gonna be changed, but you are gonna change us as well. And so we pray these things in your son's name. Sit in my car outside restaurants and bars Reading about what's inside I look up opinions about news and religion 
So I don't have to use my own mind I should call my friends But I read their posts instead Like dancing a waltz with no partner Nobody's holding your hand Like singing duets as solo The harmony's just in your head it's almost as if I have been everywhere Almost tasted the food, almost breathed in the air But nobody's heart ever pounded With the feeling of being surrounded By pictures of mountains heavy it's easier to keep it online I check in the weather to see if it's better instead of just going outside pretend I'm unaware but the truth is that I'm scared like dancing and walks with no partner but nobody's holding your hand Singing duets as a solo With the probably still in your head It's almost as if I have been everywhere Almost tasted the food, almost breathed in the air But nobody's heart ever pounded From the feeling of being surrounded Pictures of mountains Right here on my phone So why do I still feel all alone? Walls with no partner But nobody holding your hand Duets just a solo When the harmony's all in your head I thought that I knew what amounted like till I stood in the valley looked up at the sky and I feel my heart beating faster a feeling I've been chasing after it's something that no one can capture pictures of mountains And one of the things that you feel in that song is the loneliness because it talks about when what happens when we just keep people at arm's length because that is not the way that God created us and de designed us as human beings just simply to go through life alone but rather in community with others. And because when we actually are in community and my light just blew out and so I'm going to go and get 
there's not what's supposed to happen. I think the air conditioning turned on. And so, because that is not the way, and this is not the way that this moment was supposed to be. And, and it's also not the way, alone is not the way that God has created us as human beings to operate. And the thing is, is that if you have been, there we go, if you've been to one of our Christmas services, that we do a candle lighting. And this, this tradition is probably one of my favorites here at Kensington because it's not something that I actually grew up with in the church that I was a part of. But whenever one candle is lit in a room, and just like right now, it's of course able to have an impact and is able to illuminate a certain portion of the room, but not all of the room. But the thing is, is that when we begin to share our light, and it's also indicative of our light, when it's just one light that's shining out, there is an impact, but that impact is limited. But when we begin to share this light with other people, and not just share it, but those, but we bring that light and we come together, the impact in the places that God has put us is exponential. And we're gonna actually see that. We're gonna see a physical representation of that as more and more candles are lit. We're gonna see this room get brighter and brighter and brighter, which is what we've been talking about today. And so we're gonna do that. But at the same time, something that I was also reminded of this past week is something that somebody asked me or told me about years ago. And he said, and he really challenged me, and he said that if you and your family moved away from the neighborhood that you're a part of, would anybody notice? Right? Would anybody care? Would anybody say, wow, because Andrew and his wife and their kids are no longer here, there's just something different about it. There's less joy, there's less hope, there's less love here. Or would they say, oh, See you later, hope to see you again. And it wouldn't really make a difference. But at the same time, it also applies to our church. If we as a community, as a church community, were no longer here in this area of Troy, would anybody notice? Would the school district notice? Would the local businesses notice? Would our residents notice? And it was so convicting to me. And it just made me ask the question, am I doing what Jesus calls me to do as his follower? Am I actually being a salt? Am I truly being light? And if not, what would it look like, not only as individuals, but what would it look like for us as a community, as neighbors, to shine our light in a greater way? It's a question for us to think about. And so as we're lighting and sharing this light with others today, Tori and our band are gonna lead us in a song. And it's a song called Tremble, and it speaks to how powerful the light of Christ is that we have present within us and what can truly happen when we choose to share this light. So let's enter into this moment together.
power of light and something that I love doing whenever we have a candle or a room filled with candles is that if you're able to I'd love for you to hold up the light and even when we hold up our light what happens to the room is it transforms the room and it even gets brighter and so not only when we have it but we actually hold it up and shine it out the impact is even greater it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus is talking about of what it means to shine out our light or shine out his light. And so this is what I want to invite all of you to do. We're going to blow it out, but we're going to blow it out in a very specific way. We are going to place our hand in front of it. And if you could blow it out so you don't spew hot wax onto your neighbor in front of you, I think that's a gift that keeps on giving. And so thank you. That's a beautiful picture, honestly, as you looked around of what it means, of just an illustration of what we were talking about, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5. And so as Jesus ended the passage today, he talked about the whole reason why we're to do what we're to do, why we're to do these things is to glorify God so that people would have a proper understanding and opinion of who he is because he is the one who is worthy and there's nobody like him. And so we're going to close our day today by singing a song that reminds us exactly of that. And so let's sing this out together. Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever
So as we conclude our service today, just a few quick reminders. And the first is, love for you to join us at midweek this coming Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Also, if you would like more information about the move, op move Out opportunity that we have to come alongside of families in this area, go to the Move Out Network or talk to Suzanne out in the lobby. And also, if anybody would like to receive prayer, somebody to pray with them, our prayer team will be down front. But thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for streaming, everyone. Have a great rest of your Labor Day weekend. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.